0: Welcome to the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. We are your source on what's going on at the university, the alumni association, and all things Runner Nation. Because now and forever, we are Roadrunners. Welcome, Runner Nation, to another episode of the Birds Up Podcast, brought to you by the UTSA Alumni Association. I am your host, Drew Addison, and with me, as always, is your current alumni president, Yvonne Addison. How are you today?
1: Doing great, doing great.
0: And the man, the myth, the legend, and board member extraordinaire, Jacob Gavasos. How are you doing, sir? Doing well. Great to be back. Well, look at this. 4-0, baby. 4-0. and What a game against Still Memphis. undefeated. What a game. What a game. Yvonne and I went out to Pinkerton's for the Alumni Watch Party and was blown away by the amount of alumni support that was there.
1: Yeah, it was such an exciting environment. We sat outside for a little while, but then we went inside. And it, I mean, the party was just going. Everybody was there. We saw former students and band members and friendly alumni faces that we see at a lot of events and it was great just to see um, everybody coming out for such a wonderful event and to top it off we won we so won. that made it even better <laughs>
0: it was an incredible game and you know thank you for all those that did make it out to the watch party and to the football team and coaches and staff we are so incredibly proud of y'all and uh, keep that streak going. We'll be seeing you guys this Saturday against UNLV at the Dome. So yeah. um, make sure you get out there. The Illinois tailgate will be at the SB. SB two o'clock on Saturday, October 2nd. So come out, use that lifetime membership and get in for free or I guess all memberships will get you in and we'll be seeing you guys out there as we'll be roaming around uh, eating some sausage wraps and having some beverages while we wait for the game to get kicked off.
1: Yeah, and, uh, looking forward to seeing everybody.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to jump into to this episode that we have today. It was such a great interview. You're about to listen to Ramiro or Ram Gonzalez. Prosper West is a nonprofit community economic development organization, is a coalition of community members and partners working together to make San Antonio's West Side a more prosperous place for families and businesses. Their focus is on what they call the big six, small businesses, housing and real estate, promotion and advocacy, cultural preservation, place making and community engagement. Ram being the president and CEO this is a great episode because we get to highlight an alumni that's going on, doing big things.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if you're not familiar with Prosper West, it was formerly the Westside Development Center, if you've heard that name before. But they strictly focus on the west side of San Antonio and to bring economic revitalization. Ram talks about maybe a little shift that they've got going on mm-hmm. and maybe focusing on some affordable housing in that area. You know, it's a part of town that's rich with culture, rich with history, rich with, with heritage. And him and his group are really trying to hit a lot of the issues that are systemic in that area and trying to do what they can to do some revitalization and some development. Yeah,
0: there is a call to action to the alumni as well, because there are some opportunities for you to get in contact with Ram himself and, and to work on some of the impact groups that he's got going on to help the West Side. You know, the concept of unlocking the real estate equity that's there, mm-hmm. helping families in that sense, inviting businesses to come down and get more involved. And it starts with individuals like ourselves yeah. getting out there and helping out. Uh,
2: he'll talk about his, his history and his mm-hmm. uh, his experience working with the city and how he can bring that, that experience from his time at UTSA, from his time at the city, from his time working in real estate to the west side and maybe Mm -hmm. a new perspective and a new take on on how to address some
0: of these issues his experience working with the city is i think really what is needed for for organizations like this because it's knowing the inner workings Mm -hmm. of of how city government works and what that process is Right. right so if you have a plan you can't just you know throw it on a poster board. I mean, you can. the Front board and, door somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. do that. Um, but he yeah. does understand the most more effective processes. Right, right. you can navigate done. it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So check out the interview. Stay tuned for afterwards. We got some news and updates on the alumni association and the university. And uh, we'll catch you all after the interview. Birds up. Beep, beep. Today we're joined by Ramiro Gonzalez, the president and CEO of Prosper West San Antonio. Do you prefer Ramiro or Ram?
3: Most people call me Ram. That's Ram. perfectly fine. Ram. Yeah. Thank you
0: so much for joining us today, man. We really appreciate your time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Well, i tell you what, Yvonne and I went to the West Side Chamber breakfast and uh, had the pleasure of seeing your presentation on Prosper West and, and when everything that you're doing for the city. And at the end of it, you had mentioned that you're a UTSA alumni and we both looked at each other we're like, he's got to get on the show. Yeah. So, so we're really excited about that. But it is uh, really interesting to learn about the path post-college that the alumni take. So I think it's pretty common. That students kind of have an idea where they want to end up, but something along the path of their professional development, they find a new passion. So, in reading your background and kind of getting an understanding of where you started, uh, when you left school to where you are at now, somewhere along that path, you're like that light bulb went off. What was that like for you coming out of school from the early days leading up to working for Prosper West?
3: Sure, sure. Uh, well, thanks again for for having me on. Um, I think growing up. I talked a lot and um, a lot more than I should have. Apparently, I got in trouble a lot in school for just talking too much. So it was either I was going to probably either be a preacher or a lawyer. And so that I kind of went with that premise kind of growing up. Just out of high school, I went to graduated from Edison High School, took my basics at San Antonio College, transferred over to UTSA and then started to look at, uh, well, what what do I really want to get into? And initially it was uh, I was a business major and then I got to the business calculus portion and then realized this is not for me. Uh, so started kind of looking at other options and it was, you could see that in my grades you could see that kind of in my performance, it was like I was half-hearted in it all. You so know? we
0: actually had a really good conversation before we hit record my experience, I went through the business school and the business calculus class is basically that weed out class Yeah. Right? So <laughs> you, you, have, you have to pass that class in yeah. order to declare the major and I took that very first test and I got like a 34 or something on it. <laughs> oh Luckily Yvonne's mathematics acumen is very high mm-hmm. so it took me, bring my homework home, and her going through every question over yeah. and over practicing, again again. So I can so relate we, on that business. We feel your pain. Out.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was definitely weeded out there, um, <laughs> and started looking. Okay, now, okay. Well, then, what is it? You know, what is it that really? Not only can I do well, but what drives me passionately, you Mm -hmm. know? And it was a friend of mine who was actually already in the poli-sci program and kind of introduced me to it. And it really kind of stuns me. It's like, how did I not know about that before? Um, And so I learned about it. I ended up changing my major, and it was just like, it was just perfect. It was exactly everything I loved, Mm. public policy, learning about governance and everything. And so I really started to lean heavily into that. When I graduated from UTSA, I started working in a law office, as a kind of file clerk, I went through the UTSA paralegal program. And I think I was like in the first class of the paralegal certification program. And it was amazing. It was led by Amy Eubanks at the time, local attorney. It was incredible. And it was it was a great experience for me because most of my time at UTSA was actually during night school because I worked during the day and then I kind of finished my classes at night and so the paralegal program was really on weekends so I actually got to enjoy the the campus during the weekends I didn't really have that kind of exposure to it and so I got to see the activities and everything uh, so it was fantastic and then so from there I ended up finished the paralegal course I stayed at the firm I was at but I was able to actually get promoted and be an actual paralegal there. From there I ended up at the city attorney's office because it was that perfect marriage of kind of like the legal field, but in kind of public policy and governance. And I was just so, still so just enamored by all that. And so I was there at the city attorney's office for about 10 years. And I was very fortunate because by the time I left, I was in a position that most weren't lucky enough to be in. And I don't know how I found myself there. I think it was just through a lot of talking. <laughs> and, and I found myself in a position of being able to manage the city council agenda. And what that meant is that I met with a city manager pretty much every week to review what was coming up on the agenda and try to get ahead and anticipate any issues. And it gave me just this broad experience of, of how the city works and who all the players were. And I was a nobody. And I don't know how I kind of got into that position, but it gave me such great exposure in understanding how the city works. Mm. And so from there, then they started a new. De- this was in 2010. They started a new department for the uh, for downtown development. It was called the Center City Development Office, uh, because our downtown, as great as it was, was still mostly kind of tourist focused. And so how, for us to be competitive as a city, have a downtown that is very competitive. The adage was, great cities have great downtowns, right? So how do we make sure that we have a competitive downtown? Mm -hmm. And so Mayor Castro declared the decade of downtown, created the Center City Development Office, and I was actually the first employee hired to it. All this time, I'd I'd also been doing kind of real estate on the side, so it kind of was a real good click for me, right? Mm -hmm. Public policy and real estate. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, absolutely, I'm in. So then I really spent the next seven years just focused on downtown and how we can match properties and development partners and public financing to just make difficult projects work. And so that was my passion and, and I loved it. I got to see downtown grow. I get to drive through downtown and point at projects and say, hey, I, I was part of that. I did <laughs> something on that and my kids roll their eyes. They don't care. But you know, to me, it's, it's magical. And then I left the city in about 2017 to start a, a real estate fund kind of stood that up, got some partners, got that going. And then uh, kind of looked around and like, okay, now what? WDC, what's well, the West Side Development Corporation, I used to manage their contract. So they were created by the city. And, and even then I remember thinking, you know, why don't they do more real estate on the West side? You know, yeah. their focus has always been kind of small business. So when I left the city, kind of got my real estate thing going and was looking at, okay, now how do I re-engage? You know, what do I do now? And, Uh, So I reached out to my predecessor, Leonard Rodriguez, and said, hey, can I help you with the real estate side? And two weeks later, I was the interim CEO somehow. Um, it, it It was serendipitous, it just worked out, it was beautiful, he was on his way out, he was looking for someone to step in, and it just worked out beautifully. Uh, Thirty days later, COVID hit, uh, mm-hmm. and so it just it's been that ever since, really, and just trying to help our small businesses, help support them. Uh, but now we're also taking a very strong kind of lean into back into real estate, which is kind of the roots of this organization. But that's kind of what my trajectory has looked like since UTSA. I always kind of say it's kind of like just this, this series of fortunate events. You know, <laughs> it's just like in in, in, in some ways just ha- kind of happy accidents. But uh, it really has allowed me to lean into what I loved most about and what I learned in my experiences over at UTSA. And I use those those same skills and assets and even connections that I did yeah even today. So, What
0: was it that got you into the real estate side?
3: You know, I think I first started learning about it when I was like 20 years old. I worked for an attorney and he was a very, very well-to-do attorney, very wealthy. He was single, but he had, I think his home was like in, I don't know, somewhere on the other, other side of town. The law office was located around I-10 West Avenue and he got tired of commuting back and forth all the time. So he just ended up just buying a house, cash, on the same blocks. That way, when he works late, he can just go there and go to sleep, and then come back. You know, shower and come back. And then he kind of got tired of it, even that house. And that was probably like maybe just a, a, less than a year later. So he's like, okay, never mind. I'm just gonna you know put some money in it, and I'm just gonna just go sell it. And so he did, and he made a whole lot of money just holding that house for just a few months mm-hmm. and then selling it. And so that's what really kind of sparked my interest. I was like, oh, that was interesting because it was a a rather beat up house. And it wasn't just from the profit side of it. It was the fact that he took this house, made some improvements, made that neighborhood better because he beautified that house. Mm -hmm. And he actually made a profit doing it. I said, well, that's that's really interesting. I had no other exposure to that world before that. Mm -hmm. And so it was that that really allowed me to kind of dive in. And I just absorbed everything I could about real estate and the next year I purchased my first property, at the same time I was planning my wedding and going to school full-time and working full-time that was a bad decision <laughs> um, but I bought my first property I started fixing it up kind of myself that was the second dumb thing I did was try to do it myself I ended up roping in my twin brothers to help but you know it's kind of how you learn I mean there's mm-hmm. just no real perfect way to kind of get into that you just have to dive in and just see how it goes and so that was kind of my first foray and it was just after that just kept building and just kept trying new things and all the time I'm doing. Doing my public policy route and, and city work, you know, also just
0: doing real estate on the side because it satisfies that entrepreneurial side of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is fascinating to me, especially when it comes to working with the city directly. I mean, obviously that experience that you had working with the city council and understanding the inner workings of how city government works, that I'm sure translates here every day at Prosper West San Antonio. And for those that don't know, Prosper West San Antonio, their mission is to foster economic development and promote the development and redevelopment of real estate within its target area, create viable urban communities and preserve the character, culture and history of the West Side. And the history of the West Side is interesting and complicated in its own right. You coming in, especially as young as you are, how have you navigated, especially when it comes to getting the attention of the city? Sure. Um, You know,
3: and it's it's a massive challenge. You know, my experience at downtown was that downtown was successful in its own right, but we needed a different kind of downtown. So we needed to attract a certain kind of development. It was a housing-first strategy. Let's get people to live downtown so that it feels more like a neighborhood rather than just a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. So the objective was to bring as many housing units to the area as we could. And so what that looked like was the development of what we called the Chip program. It was the Center City Housing Incentive Program. Long story short, it basically made it a lot easier to make financial assistance from the city more predictable for developers to even take a look at downtown. Mm -hmm. Because most of the land prices downtown were kind of more suited for hotels, which from a profitability standpoint, multifamily and housing can't really compete with that. And so that's why a hotel can afford a much higher price on land than a multifamily. So it was about kind of balancing that so that we can bring more housing. So we were able to do that program to just kind of invite development into downtown to produce that kind of result, and it was very successful. But from that, we also saw the unintended consequences of that, which was the gentrification of areas on the periphery of downtown. So coming over to the west side, bringing that experience you can't do the same thing it's mm-hmm. not going to work the same way the west side is a very very different place and it's a place that's just steeped in culture and heritage and and just so and people have such deep roots i often call it the the cradle of san antonio because everybody ties themselves somehow some mm-hmm. way back to the west side right my thea, my my grandma my dad had a business there some way everybody kind of came out of the west side And so it has such deep history. And so it's not enough to just say, let's bring development and make everything bright and shiny on the west side. It's really how do we unlock the wealth of the west side? Mm -hmm. How do we look at utilizing the assets that are there And unlocking that wealth to the benefit of the existing residents and businesses. Mm -hmm. It's a really hard challenge because you want to bring in investment, bring in development, but you also don't want to threaten who's there, right? You want to make sure that they are able to come up with it, Mm -hmm. really. You know, for as long as our mission statement is at the end of the day, it's about bringing economic prosperity to the West Side. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And it's all kinds of different ways that we can do it this organization was created by the city back in 2006 and it was created as a redevelopment authority unlike the other redevelopment authorities like hemisphere and port san antonio and brooks where they started with a big old piece of property and created an entity and said okay go to redevelop it we were created backwards we were created as an entity to say go find the property and redevelop it I can't really tell you why it didn't happen. I'm not exactly sure. I think it was a resource issue. Uh, so instead, the organization leaned heavily into small business development. And that's kind of been its identity since its creation up, up until more, more recently. Mm. And and that's fantastic. Those small businesses who have benefited from the work of Westside Development Corporation, now Prosper West San Antonio, have benefited greatly. And it's been hugely impactful in their lives. But has it made the impact on the Westside as a place mm-hmm. That it was intended to have because then what you see is that businesses and families once they reach a certain level of economic success on the west side they look around and say well do i want to stay here or do i want to go be successful somewhere else and unfortunately when they have the choice many of them choose to go So it's not enough that we make the West Side a place that is conducive to someone just growing to be successful. We need to be a place where they want to stay, where Mm -hmm. they want to continue to invest and help to be part of that transformation. And so that's kind of the trajectory we're on, which is why it's not enough that it just be small business. It has to be the placemaking. It has to be the real estate and really maximizing all of the assets of the West Side. Mm.
1: That's interesting because I remember when you did the presentation at the Chamber Breakfast, you mentioned the struggles of seeing economic prosperity happening in the West Side, but then it's leaving. It's Mm. going going somewhere else. It's landing somewhere else. And what you don't want to see is that the West Side become essentially a launching pad for the benefit of other areas because then you lose those tangible and intangible benefits that you could be reinstilling in your area communities there. And and we've seen in other areas of the city and, and region where, sure, there's great development, but then you see everything else sort of rising with it as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're hoping to see on the west side is right. as a community, as a whole, everybody rising.
3: Yeah. I mean, when you create those kinds of places, it attracts... Not only investment in the terms of you have customers, you have visitors who come to these businesses who would otherwise never come before. Mm-hmm. So like Warehouse 5 is a great example of that. You know That was done by Jennifer Nager and uh, the late Dan Markson. Fantastic project that most people don't know is there on the west side. It serves as a kind of maker space and co-working space for many, many businesses, very cool businesses. And people go there, once they hear about it, they go there just to check it out, and they have probably have not set foot on the West Side at least five years or more. Sure. And so it gives them a reason to discover. So one, you're bringing in this economic impact by bringing dollars from other areas of the city into the West Side to then support people and support jobs. But then it's also about creating a place where now employers want to be there and be able to bring those jobs to your... your... Your point, when those employers or when these businesses start to become successful and are able to now hire people, well, we want them to now hire people from the west side. We want them to stay there to be able to build we kind of incubated them on the west side through affordable rents and kind of go ahead and give it a shot. It's not too expensive to try it over here. But once you become successful, we'll stay here. Stay here and hire the people who have been supporting you, you know. And I understand that for a business owner, you know, it doesn't always make sense for them to be, I can't also be a community developer, you sure know. So it doesn't always make sense. So we need to be making sure that we're making strides in making the west side that is a Place that is conducive Mm -hmm. to them staying, that makes business sense for them to stay on the west side, continue to invest, and hire from the area. It's really like the definition of raising
0: sociological equity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I would love to hear more stories, especially from the West Side, because I feel like there's a lot of cover on developments happening, building this building, this other development. It's always about the big shiny thing, right, that mm-hmm. you mentioned. Yeah. But you don't hear so much about the impact to the greater community around it. Mm-hmm. And it sort of out of sight, out of mind, right? You never hear like the stories of the people around there and how they're right. impacted, unless it's something bad, unfortunate. You know, the people who don't want the development, you hear a lot from them. right? Right. But when it comes to fruition and years down the road, how were people around the area impacted? It'd Mm -hmm. be great to hear more stories and get more cover on stories of not just businesses, but the individuals around how was their community or their neighborhood, even their street. How was their street impacted by Mm -hmm. what's been happening? Because, you know, I think that's really the important part of understanding where it might have seeded as some kind of residential development or commercial development or something, which is easy to see and yeah. put your eyes on, mm-hmm. but the everything else around it, yeah. I think. And I think you guys yeah. could do a great job of really telling those stories and bringing them to, and, us, and that's, to life. And
3: that's what we want to be doing. It's interesting because there is this overwhelming perception of the West Side as a place that is just anti-development, anti-investment. And there are certainly factions of the West Side that feel that way. Mm -hmm. When you talk to everyday neighbors and everyday businesses and then even the neighborhood presidents, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, no, we want investment. Mm -hmm. We want things to come to the West Side. We don't just want everything to be a taqueria or a garage. You know, we need diversity. I don't want to have to drive across town to get the same things that everyone else has access to. You know, we want to be able to have those things here. We just want to make sure that we don't get pushed out at the same time. And that's a hard, hard thing to do. I mean, even when you fix a street, Mm -hmm. even if you go and put sidewalks in, in a neighborhood it's going to increase taxes as a result because it's now a more desirable place to be. Mm-hmm. So on one hand you're you're saying make our place more desirable and attractive but you're saying well but don't let the value reflect that. <laughs> right. right. And it's kind of impossible to do sure. in in many ways. So then the other side of that is instead how do we make sure that you are financially prepared for whatever change may happen? How are you? Mm-hmm. How can we economically empower you mm-hmm. so that you not only can survive it but can thrive and a perfect example of that is if you're a homeowner on the west side can we build you a little casita in the backyard that way, when the Starbucks pops up, you can rent your little casito to someone who's going to pay you six $800 a month Absolutely. so that suddenly you have no problem with the Starbucks coming in or, or whatever else because that means you're going to get more rent from that little casita, mm-hmm. which is going to offset your expenses and actually increase the value of your property mm-hmm. and ultimately build wealth. You're your unlocking property. the value of the property. That's exactly yeah. right. I mean,
0: that's key. That's exactly that key. what it so is. Those
3: kind of creative solutions that we need to pursue.
0: Right, yeah. And on the other side, too, in your approach, you mentioned working on closing the system gaps yeah. right so that's the other side of it the government governance side of this absolutely what are the biggest hurdles you have in that
3: one is just the conversation that happens around the west side you know and this is maybe not so much a gap on the west side it's a gap everywhere else uh it's kind of uh, paradoxical in some way in that the west side is seen as the place of deep affordability Well, the problem we have is that when we're only locating all of the low-income housing on the west side, you're concentrating poverty. And Mm -hmm. so you're actually widening the gap for people who want to be able to be financially successful. Studies have shown if you grow up in poverty, you are more than likely to live a life of poverty. Mm -hmm. You need diversity of experience in a community where you can start to build a kind of social network that can help you grow and prosper. Mm -hmm. But if we are concentrating everything, all the poverty on the west side more and more, then it's making the problem worse and it's also hurting our businesses and it's hurting our families. So really part of the closing the gap is making sure that we're providing affordable housing across our entire city so that not one side of town bears it all. We do need affordable housing. There's no question about that. And there's a lot of people on the west side who still need more affordable housing. So it's not an an either or, but it's an and. What we need on the west side is balance. Mm. And so a lot of the gaps that we talk about is bringing balance back to the west side, which is Not only even from a gap standpoint, look at the digital disconnect for the west side. You know, there's no fiber on the west side. Many of these families don't have internet or they just access everything from their phone. They don't have a laptop. So they're literally disconnected from many of the opportunities that are far more easily accessible by the rest of the city. Even when we were going through COVID and trying to connect businesses with free money that's on the table, they didn't know about it and they didn't even know how to access it. We ended up building out a business hub with uh, funding from the city of San Antonio so that we could invite businesses to come and actually apply on our computers in our office for this funding. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, we just took the paper to them and hey, just give me your answers, we'll write them down, we'll go back to the office and plug them in. But that lack of connection to what other opportunities and resources are out there, Ends up keeping the west side down because Mm -hmm. they don't have that same access, so they just but the west side's resilient, they just figure it out, right? You know, whatever it is, they just figure it out, they just scrape it together and make it happen. But how much further along would they be if they had that same kind of access? Mm -hmm. It's those kinds of gaps, and then gaps also in even just the infrastructure of the west side. You look at where all the city spending has been in infrastructure, I mean, it's been everywhere but the west side. Mm -hmm. Now we have kind of the west side creeks restoration project, which thank god is happening, but. It's taken 50, 60 years for that to happen. Meanwhile, the West Side has flooded because the original plan was, okay, back in 1921, we had the Great Flood. Downtown flooded. Lots of people died. So they started these other infrastructure projects to try to divert water away from downtown. Well, guess where it went? It went to the West Side. Mm. And on the West Side, where there were no curbs. So water was literally going up into people's houses as a result and only more recently have those creeks been even restored to the point they are now where they actually have concrete drainage ditches to divert that water. But infrastructure on the west side is still very poor. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, okay, bringing that level of equity, bringing that balance to other areas of town so that again, they have that same opportunity because when developers are looking at an area, they're like, okay, what areas do I go to? I'd rather go where they have already the infrastructure rather than me having to pay for it like on the west side. So again, it's just another barrier and you layer enough of these things on that suddenly it becomes a hole you can't get out of. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we have to take very intentional and deliberate approaches and be very loud about the injustice that has occurred over time. But it's not about really, well, we need this big handout. It's we need to figure out how to close these gaps together. You need to give us the tools to be able to unlock that wealth of the west side that may be tied up in its property that may be tied up even just in its people and other assets mm-hmm. to kind of close that gap and bring more
0: equity the value i feel that you bring is your understanding of how you can be that loud voice and be effective because there's one thing about being a loud voice just to be a loud voice there's a process to it right. what is your strategy whenever you're going to the city council saying hey guys we, we need some help over here
3: You know, I worked at the city for a long time. I'm a child of the city, so I don't take the approach of necessarily beating up the city. I know that we have a lot of great people in the city who care a whole lot. The challenge is that the city isn't really designed as a system to be able to really go deep on anything. Mm -hmm. They're better at going wide. And so that sometimes is a challenge. So in many ways, we need to be able to bring solutions to the city that are community-led. That's when the city does best. If you ask the city to lead, many times they want to, but they're just not very efficient at it Mm -hmm. You know, as any government. There's such a process, and by the time you hear all those voices that you end up with something that is so watered down, it's almost useless. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's about let's convene the community. Let's make sure that we have a plan that is well thought out and well developed, and we tell the city these are the pieces we're missing. These are the three things that we need you to do and to help us with. We're working with the councilwoman, That's where we work with the mayor, and we work even with the county and the county commissioner. Mm. And so all of that, for the first time ever, the county is now participating in funding Prosper West San Antonio, which is huge. That's never happened before, and it's simply because we asked you know, and now that will allow us to increase our
0: capacity to do more of this unlocking the wealth on the west side. Obviously, we want to get the Alumni Association and the alumni that are out there, whether you're in San Antonio or outside of San Antonio, I still feel there's a way that you can contribute to Prosper West San Antonio. You had mentioned uh, in your presentation at the West Side Chamber Breakfast, the impact committees that you have. Yeah. Uh, What are those and how can people get involved with those? Excellent. Thank you for mentioning that. So, There's kind of a
3: three-pronged approach that we're taking towards the revitalization of the West Side, which is, you know, I've already mentioned kind of small business, and I've also mentioned real estate. And the third is these impact committees, because economic development of an area, and community development, is not limited just to the small business and just to the real estate. And Ram is one person. And Ram is just one person. (laughs) He has Um, done many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, and, and I have a staff of five people. And so there's no way we can actually make progress on all these things in a sustained and effective way. And we were never meant to. It's about creating the infrastructure so that the passion and energy of the community has a way to be channeled through into those effective and meaningful results. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we're doing that now, we're just kind of standing up these committees that we call impact committees. And they're working committees of the community. So one is on small business. One is on housing and real estate. One is on placemaking, and then one is on education and workforce development. And so this is where we're inviting members of the community, and we'd love to see a lot of students at the table. We need fresh ideas. We need people, and it doesn't matter if you don't know anything about this. We need people who care about the West Side, care about equity on the West Side, care about bringing balance, care about bringing social and uh, environmental and economic justice to the West Side, and are willing to step up and say, look, I don't know anything about this, but I'm willing to help any way I can. And because we will have people at the table who are very knowledgeable about this, but they don't have time to move them forward. Right. And so that's where we can use kind of student partners and, and other people from the community to just say, hey, just tell me what to do, point me in the direction, and I'll chase it down. Okay. And so that's what these impact committees are about because we can't possibly do it all. But if there are conversations that need to happen and there's a number of strategies that are identified – Then amongst those committees themselves, they can say, okay, you three kind of go chase this. You three go chase this. And that's how these things ultimately happen. And that that has been the successful model in other communities that have been able to drive this. It hasn't been driven by the local government. It's Mm -hmm. been driven by the community. But there has to be a structure and a system Mm -hmm. that empowers them to do it. And in these ways under the impact committees, they can be creative And they can start to affect change under the banner of Prosper West so that they know that their work is being fostered Mm -hmm. in a way that it will lead to actual impact and long-term impact. Mm -hmm. So I invite anyone who's interested, whether you're a student or staff or whoever you are, we actually have an appointee from UTSA, Rod McSherry, on our board as part of the organization. And he's been incredibly helpful and supportive of of, of our work. And so at all levels, we would like people to participate. And I don't care if they never even step foot on the West Side. Mm -hmm. Again, it's about where is your passion, what do you care about and what can you bring to
0: the table.
1: And if you ever meet Ram in real life, you can feel his passion for the West Side. (laughs) I mean it's It's, contagious. It's electric in this room right now. (laughs) can really tell how much he cares and loves for the West Side. So we'll include um, information of how folks can get in contact if they'd like to serve on these. Yeah, 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 we'll have that on the
0: show notes. So if you are interested, all the information will be there so you guys can get in contact with Prosper West. Let's talk about a couple of things you guys are working on right now. One one being the renovation of the Bacilla Frox building yeah. and then the building of the small business ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, what, what are the current projects you guys got going on?
3: So Bacilla Frox is really exciting. So that building was built in 1921. It's at the corner of Zazamora and Martin. It's about a 20,000 square foot building. It was built by a Syrian family who came through Canada. Bacillofrox was their last name. And it was the first place in Texas that sold ready to wear dresses. Normally wow. you made them at home. And so hence frocks, Mm -hmm. bacilla frocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, just even the story of that family is just a story of resilience. They actually built the building, and about 10, 15 years later, they lost it in bankruptcy. And then they came back 10 years later, bought it, and rebuilt their business again. I mean, you just talk about a story of resiliency and and, and a picture of the west side. That's exactly what that is. Eventually, the building was sold again and fell into disrepair. At one point, a uh, dollar store wanted to buy it and demolish it. And then just build a dollar store because wow. we don't have enough of those on the West right, side. Right. And so the community fought it. You know, we weren't part of that. It was the community just rallied together and said, No, this is not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because Bacilla has been so many things to so many people on the West side. Mm-hmm. It's been a clinic, a grocery store, a ballroom, small business offices. It's even been uh, a wrestling gym. That's where Shawn Michaels had his wrestling gym, right wow. there out of the west side. Wow. And so I've there are people that. who are professional wrestlers today who got their start at Basila Frock's on the oh west my side God. of San no no What a unique exactly. <laughs> story. Wow. And so it has such a powerful story in history. So the community came out and said, no, that's not going to happen. They were able to defeat that. And uh, it just kind of sat there a few more years. We ended up buying it in partnership with the late Dan Markson. And then when he passed, we kind of left us without a partner. So we had to go through this long process. And only now are we getting to the point where we're going to close uh, with our new partner, which is DreamOn Group. Oh, yeah. uh, which is Rene Garcia and Julissa Garriello. Mm-hmm. Julissa runs;
0: the House t- they has
3: premier contractors, and the she's the uh, I think She's Center. the chairman of the uh, Maestro Center. Uh, so, two powerful, kind of West Side, kind of homegrown people who are our partners
0: on the new Basilafrocks project. And Renee Garcia is a, a, a power player too in the real estate development. Absolutely, side of yeah. so oh, see, absolutely. For many years at Zachary, <laughs> yeah. exactly.
3: So, I mean, we are blessed to have this team uh, alongside us in this project. And, um, the goal is, is to turn Bacillus into, uh, a small business office space to further incubate and help our businesses become more successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll also be home to about 500 to 1,000 square feet of community space so that nonprofits in the area have somewhere to meet uh, so that we can do some community workshops and gathering and listening. And then it also just has a really big parking lot. So we're kind of looking at, okay, how do we activate that? Is that, mm. is that farmer's markets? Is it you know just kind of what's really been successful in the, in the past on the west side that just pops up here and there that doesn't happen as much anymore? is these community garage sales just letting people just come and congregate in one place kind of sell their wares it provides economic opportunity and engaging the community they can all meet each other and it it is now an asset to that surrounding neighborhood and so that's what we're looking at at basilla not only for it to kind of provide small business space but how else can this be leveraged to be an asset and a benefit to that surrounding community. So, that's that's what we're very excited about. And I'm just like, okay, come on, let's let's birth this thing already. Right. <laughs> let's, get it, let's get it going. And then, of course, we are right now in the process of working with the Aspen Institute out of Colorado and actually JPMorgan Chase to further develop the small business ecosystem on the west side. And how do we make sure that businesses, no matter where you're starting at, you have somewhere to go to be able to know what your next step might be or be able to connect to those resources that are available? Mm -hmm. And then the kind of last thing that I kind of want to mention that we're just kind of putting it together is we would all love if on the west side there was a developer who would come into the west side and say, look, I will develop the properties on the west side. And every property that I develop, half of the profits will be to support the neighborhoods around it. Mm. Because then you think about, well, what if there was a network of those projects all across the West Side? Suddenly, gentrification looks very different. Absolutely. Suddenly, those are assets in my community that can maybe help build that casita, that can help fix up my home, that can help provide tax relief. So that looks very different. Well, good luck finding the developer who will do that, right? Yeah. Well, that's what this organization was created to do. And so now it's about living into that now. Mm -hmm. So we're in the process of building our capacity to become the in-house developer of the West Side, to be able to look at those properties, look at those assets. And that means partnering with a lot of our public institutions who own property on the West Side, which is a lot. Our board is mostly made up of institutional landowners of the West Side. And you think about all the church-owned property on the West Side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They all want to do good with their property. So what would it look like for... Prosper West to be partnering with them on their property so that we not only produce the use of that property, which may be housing and some daycare at the bottom, but also the actual revenue actually going to support the neighborhoods in the area. Mm -hmm. And so that is the kind of longer term vision of Prosper West so that we do economic development and revitalization in a way that it's never been done here before Mm -hmm. and in a way that is long-term thinking and holistic. It's a big mountain that we will climb and that we will get there. And it'll only be because we have partners. We have the right people at the table and people who care enough to help us get there. But that's what it would look like. That's what successful growth On the west side, can look and in short,
0: that's putting the money where your mouth is. That's right. You know, it's more than just again being that voice. Obviously, volunteering your time, putting your time towards the west side and the development of things, but actually making sure that things follow through. We talk about accountability on the show pretty regularly. Yeah. It's not just holding you know, the city government accountable, yourselves accountable, but the community accountable as well. Yeah. And again, this is a call to action to the alumni that are out there that are interested in getting involved in the impact committees. There's multiple levels that you can get involved with, mm-hmm. all of which will be, again, on our show notes. So make sure that you check it out, get in touch with Brand's team, and uh, get involved. But yeah. uh, it's so incredible. I'm, I'm so pumped up right now.
1: I definitely know this is not going to be the last we hear or see no. a ram. <laughs> I think you know if you're really wanting to support your fellow alumni, Ram is one of the guys to reach out to. His vision and helping bring him and his team in the community, bringing that vision to life, is going to take you know a lot of folks. Absolutely. And um, if you're out there listening and you know feel passionate and, and have resources or knowledge or expertise or a passion or interest to help, please, please reach out. Definitely think we'll, we'll hear and see more about you yeah, in the absolutely. future. For, let it, us know when you're running for city council.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll get the votes no, in. No, no. We'll get the votes in. You heard it here
1: on the Birds Up
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, done. it's important to note too, if, if you don't maybe have the time to donate, there's always an ability to donate monetarily. So if you are interested in doing that, make sure you go to prosperwestsa.org. There's a very simple link that follows you on every page of their website. Down at the bottom right corner of the website, it says "Donate Now," and you can donate automatically. So any sort of resources you can provide, whether it be time or money. Yes. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to take it. Absolutely. We will take checks too. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll
3: also mention that we do have our annual fundraising gala coming up, okay. which okay. for the first time and will continue to be so, our uh, Dia de los Muertos fundraising gala on November 6th. Okay. And so still looking for sponsorships for that. There so we if go. anyone's interested, please yes. reach out. It's going to be a great time. Uh, we'll be at the Marriott Plaza downtown. Okay. Uh, so we invite everyone who's interested kind of come out and reach out to us.
0: Awesome. That's Sounds really. good. Well, Ram, thank you so much. We thank really appreciate you. the time today. Absolutely. Birds up. Birds up. So there you have it, Runner Nation. The interview with Ramiro Ram Gonzalez from Prosper West, San Antonio. What a great interview. Yeah. His engagement with the city is, is so inspiring. And while we're doing the interview, is, it was electric in the room. I mean, the passion <laughs> yeah. he has is so, so yeah. incredible.
2: Yeah, hopefully it comes through in the recording because it really shone through in the room. Just his heart that he has for the West Side, for the, the small business and affordable housing, the people of the West Side, I think is what really rang true for me. Mm-hmm. It's is, is just his
0: heart for it, it is contagious. Yeah, right. Well, nice. his engagement of developers and identifying the, the potential that's there. on the west side and and trying to find out how they can unlock the equity that's in that property because I mean really the value lies in where the location of where the west side sits right right? and how can he maximize that for the community and looking for developers that are interested to try to create opportunities for businesses to come in and reinvest and keep people on the west side Yeah, I
2: think compounded with his humility
0: of like we can't do this by ourselves he can't do this by himself
2: he's calling on Alumni, he's calling on the community, he's calling on the, the students. students, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be a part of those impact groups, he's calling on the private business sector, he's calling on the city. He can't do this by himself, his staff can't do it by himself, but. We collectively can make an impact together.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, if that's not a call for action for UTSA to step up and, and show what we're all about, I don't know what is. And let's get out there and help a fellow alumni make things happen for our community. So, Yvonne, what do we got going on in the Alumni Association?
1: Well, we've got, obviously, you guys touched base on Roadrunner Nation tailgate this Saturday. Yeah. So don't miss out. It's going to be a great party. And more importantly, I got to say this more importantly, of course, we love our alumni and we love our Alumni Association. But, guys, we We gotta pack that dome. Pack the dome. Pack the dome. dome. (laughs) Because this football team, the staff, everybody, the cheerleaders, the band, I mean, everybody that's associated with putting on this tremendous event, you know, they work really hard. And they're showcasing their talents, not just the guys on the football field, but everybody else. And they love seeing our community come out and support them. I mean, this is this is really special, not just for UTSA, but for San Antonio. Like, this is pretty incredible. I mean, yeah. we're having a banner year. And, you know, I love seeing every uh, week when Fox uh, College Football puts their little logos up of the undefeated teams and that, that group <laughs> gets smaller and smaller yeah. but we are still on there. They need to make our logo like a little bigger. Yeah, we need, a need to magnify it. It needs there. to be the same size as Alabama That's, let's yeah. <laughs> and, and Ivana, I, I feel like
2: you know, we as alumnus we can take a cue here from the student section. I mean, that thing is
1: rocking
0: the game. And, and shout out to Taco Joe, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh,
1: he's like leading the pack out there getting everybody If robbed. you want to talk um,
0: about some emotion, he was out at the watch party and yeah. um, we, we were outside trying to watch it through the acid jazz I was playing <laughs> and uh, he was getting fired up and I know people were trying to engage him because he's become a, a bit of a celebrity Yeah. and uh, he was so focused on the game he didn't want to do that because the first quarter let's be honest it was rough to watch it was a <laughs> yeah. little scary yeah. but once we got inside it just I don't know it was yeah. the, the emotion was there he was getting the, everybody fired up there were some SOSA members yeah. Uh, yeah. that were there we saw Connor and Shelby Smith yes. uh, from a previous right. episode, episode that were there. they were yeah. there they got the school song, Fired Up. after. Oh, yeah, yeah. We sang
1: the school song yeah, after At Pickerton's. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah, it was really, Everybody really Everybody stood cool. up, sang. It was, it
0: was really awesome. But if so. our
2: students are showing up to the game, I think we can do our part and really Absolutely. get ourselves there. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, is up this Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, like Coach Traylor said, we cannot underestimate this UNLV team. Can't look at the records and say, this is going to be an easy game, because they do have a very talented team. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm sure the guys going to be out there ready to fire it up. I'm sure that the UTSA crowd will be there to support as well. Absolutely. Um, And one last thing before we segue on shout out to UTSA Rugby for beating Sam Houston, the defending conference champs of last year. All right. UTSA Rugby holding it down. So go (laughs) get them, boys.
1: So if you're looking for something to do tonight, uh, Friday night, why don't you head out to the Park West Athletics facility because the women's soccer team is taking on Mean Green North Texas at 7 p.m. Conference game. There you go. It's a conference game. So head out there. Go check out our Lady Roadrunner and cheer them on to a victory and then next week we have another event for our alumni and and folks it's planning to save and spend it's an event that's being hosted by credit human the location is still tbd Uh, the prior ones have been done virtually so there may still be a virtual component or they may be looking at hosting something in person but you can get more information about all the events that we've been mentioning here including renewing your membership if you haven't done that yet at the utsa.edu backslash alumni website. You can go on there. There's our events, links to the registration for these things and ways to get involved. And we look forward to seeing all of our alumni, family, friends.
0: Yep. And then the license plates. How, how are we doing on that? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're still,
1: we're still, you can still go and get your UTSA license plate. How many? Yeah. Many, yeah. Many so have? if
2: you get to the website, check it out. You can find how, how to order yours. So we are getting really really close guys. I think the 200 is the magic number that we need to get to to cement these and make okay. sure that they happen. But last check we were in the 140s. Okay. And okay. so
0: we it, this is home stretch. So if you want your UTSA license plate for your car, go to the UTSA alumni website, utsa.edu/alumni yeah. and make sure you get that order in great interview a lot of great things happening with the university and the association thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate all the support that you provided us and and helping us get the word out there stay tuned for the next episodes coming in uh, episodes are coming out every other Friday mm-hmm. posted at 6 a.m. so make sure you subscribe and you get that notification on your phone that the new episode is up so
1: yeah be first to hear it
0: absolutely we'll, we appreciate it and we will see you all in the next one birds, birds up. up birds up <laughs>